Welcome to the show This is my show Thanks for tuning in Here it comes again We've heard the phrase social distancing for the last several months now, but I'm using it here today in reference to social media. And just like some people might go to the extreme and take the suggestion of six-foot social distancing as stay away from people, they might similarly take the suggestion of distancing from social media as deactivate your account. But that's not exactly what I'm saying here. Although it probably wouldn't be a bad idea. At least until social media is somehow better managed, if that ever happens. First, I want to talk about suspending accounts on social media. People seem to be super happy about Trump being deplatformed on social media accounts, but I wonder if they've really thought about what that means or what it could end up meaning. Well, in regards to Trump, it means less ridiculous statements, vague threats, and talking bigly about big things and corporations and China. But seriously, what about the free speech part of it? Not with Trump. I'll get to that in a minute. But in general, being deplatformed, being silenced. Speaking of being silenced. Asher! All right. Being deplatformed, being silenced on social media. Some people have had their accounts suspended for no apparent reason other than allegedly going against community standards or guidelines. Yet, a lot of times the claim cannot be verified and is typically blamed on uh, an algorithm of some sort. While some people's tweets and posts or whatever could be inflammatory in a way, or some ways, in some situations, I think personally, they should be available for the public to see and determine their worth in society. Like the baker who won't bake a cake for a homosexual couple. I think they have the right to not bake a cake for whoever and for the public to be fully aware of that. And the public simply just to not give them business or attention. Let their choices produce the appropriate consequences. I know this subject and matter really isn't black and white, there's endless gray areas that are seemingly impossible to cover every inch of, and I'm just using the Baker thing as a fairly well-known example or comparison to people being silenced or canceled in one way or another. The difference here with Trump versus perhaps someone with a big following, a random celebrity, would be that Trump represents the entire country because he is the president of the entire country. He vaguely threatened nuclear war <laughs> and has caused massive disruption in society in some ways with some of the inflammatory things he's thrown out on the old Twitter, Facebook, whatever. And as far as any actual guidelines being violated in cases, I think he has technically done so many, many times. So I don't really have a problem with him being deplatformed, I guess. But to make that a norm for really anyone, just your normal everyday person, or even celebrities, I think you're 
I think you're losing control. Even more so than we already are to big tech. So I guess that's what kind of starts to step in on free speech as well. What about people from the intelligence community that get silenced or canceled simply for discussing hot button issues and topics that need conversation in order to be analyzed and understood in all their nuance? You can't say certain words in any context whatsoever. Otherwise, you will be removed or banned or whatever. And that that's, it seems silly to me. Really not even silly. It's It ends up being dangerous because you can't have conversation. Everything is just thrown to one side or the other. Black or white. Red or blue. I feel like more people really know that life is not like that. And the internet and social media are a big part of life. Especially now when we're much less physically connected through COVID and lockdowns and all that. For those who might follow Brett Weinstein, he has released a a recent podcast with his wife. I think it was episode 62. And he had a lot of good points on there about being deplatformed and silenced, basically. If you aren't aware, I'm not really a Trump fan at all, but I can't throw the baby out with the bathwater and completely disregard any sort of good he's done. Like a lot of people, I guess. I don't know enough about the details of the good and the bad he's done, though, but there are plenty of lists out there, I know, that I could probably look into, and you could as well if you cared to do so. I hear people say that he loosely inspired or caused the recent insurrection of the Capitol, but I still don't really know how or why that was exactly. I didn't see anything myself, so I'm not saying it's not true. I just, I didn't see something physically, so I don't know where that comes from. But people seem just to, people get mad. I mean, you might be mad that I don't know that. I'm sorry. (laughs) People get mad that other people aren't mad. And I can understand that to an extent, but I'm not observing the same things. And even if I am, I may not be seeing them through the same lens. You know, like some people see the glasses half empty and some see it as half full. We are not the same. Our problem-solving techniques and Spidey senses aren't all tuned to the same note. So, speaking of anger and discussing things that seem to pull out the passionate, aggressive, and even righteous forms of anger, while some people might think in their deepest parts of their heart that you absolutely must be angry and intensely concrete in many positions, socially and morally, it still doesn't justify not being in control of your emotions. I bet some of the worst decisions you've made in your life were when you were emotionally compromised or have recently dealt with some difficult emotions, difficult circumstances, something. Don't get me wrong, I'm absolutely not saying to not be angry or passionate or whatever. I'm trying to outline what I'm envisioning in my head of two people having a discussion face-to-face. So imagine that. You're watching... Two people from behind a glass wall or something, and you can't hear anything. All you see is them talking. Let's say that you do know that they are talking about something very polarizing. One person is talking calmly with their arms folded, maybe. And the other person is lightly pacing and seeming to talk loudly and using their hands very aggressively. So picture that scenario and you don't know 
who is on what side. So observing that, someone being very calm and someone else almost seeming anxious but also aggressive, who do you think is right and who do you think is wrong? Who do you think thinks they're right and who do you think thinks they're right? (laughs) Which one of these people would you want to have a conversation with about something remotely serious? The truth will find its way to the surface one way or another, and I don't think you have to be anything more than calm and collective to present such at any degree of self-assurance that you're in the right. I mean, you could debate about what even is truth, what determines truth. There are too many levels of thought and perception that are able to be talked about, and you really think that you're able to talk about things in depth on multiple levels when you're emotionally compromised? I think it's hard for people to observe multiple levels of important things in general, much less while under the influence of emotion. I think very rash and sometimes irreversible decisions are made in the heat of the moment, and a lot of times it would seem that there's room in the situation to step back and take a moment to collect yourself and collect your thoughts and actually consider the different options and perspectives. I don't want to spend too much time right here. I think I'm going to stop myself about this. I feel like I've made my point pretty much and either you jibe with it or maybe you think I'm quite mistaken or maybe even looking at something too literally and just as sure as you might be of you feeling that way about me, I'm just as sure as how I feel about myself and everything I just said at this moment right now in my life on this timeline in this realm of existence. There's also nothing that says I won't wake up tomorrow thinking the exact opposite that I do today. And there's nothing that says I won't wake up at all tomorrow. But let's hope I do. (laughs) All right, back to social media. For those of you that are connected with my personal Facebook or Instagram page, you might have seen a post I made recently where I shared an Instagram video from Josh Brolin, actor, played in Avengers and Marvel and, you know, I had been feeling the same way in that moment while watching his video and I decided to create my own post with my take on the matter while letting my social media followers know that I intend to put a lot of daylight in between visits to social media pages. So after sharing that a couple of hours later, my wife tells me, oh boy, you aren't going to be happy when you get back on and see what someone said on your post. My first thought was, How can someone twist this into something negative? Then I thought, well, I guess they just proved the point of my post. People are just drawn to negativity. And if there isn't enough of it available in something, they will certainly find it. Now, I'm not here to bash or talk down about this person to this person. I'm just throwing it out there as an example of what my post meant in the first place. So I decided to take some steps away from something that steals a lot of my free time and moments throughout the day, and somehow someone else is triggered by that enough to respond and critique it. They say my recommendations are condescending, and they want to inform me that silence isn't the answer. There was also mention of the word addiction being a stretch when talking about social media. First off, I think addiction to social media and our devices isn't a stretch whatsoever. To say otherwise would seem to be pure denial to me. I was being told that social media is what you make of it, which I believe is true to an extent. 
you know, I could delete every person that posts anything negative or contrary to my beliefs and I'll have nothing but an echo chamber and cute puppy videos and some art. But I've now removed some of my favorite parts of social media, the connections with different people from different backgrounds, sharing different perspectives. What would be the point otherwise? Also, those cute puppy videos and art posts, well, just take a dive into the comment section and you'll, you'll still surely find some negativity in there from someone who thinks something is abusive or commenting about the person filming or what's in their home or whatever, because we are just drawn to negativity and we don't even realize it. When you get locked into something on Facebook where you are reading the comments, is that uh, about a happy thing? Are you stuck in a in happy comments? Or do you get stuck in the negative ones that make you just shake your head or even shake with anger? Personally, I get stuck on the negative. I also have a genuine curiosity about it and want to understand it, though. I want to know where it comes from. I want to know why I feel drawn to it. I want to know what these people are all about that are being so negative. I want to try to flip the perspective somehow for them and even myself just to make sure I'm not actually being the one that's negative or in the wrong somewhere. I'd love to be able to help dilute some of that negativity, which I certainly try to, but the light there seems very much lost in a lot of folks, unfortunately. And I'm not taking steps back from social media because I'm scared of negativity. I'm stepping back because negativity is contagious and overwhelmingly rampant. I've consumed too much of it, and the general curiosity about it is exhausted so quickly. It's like being curious about lizards and wanting to get closer to them and understand them and help them, but the five that you're focusing on turns into 5,000 so quickly and you're just completely overwhelmed, covered in lizards. I don't like this anymore. That was a stupid analogy, but that's what it feels like to me sometimes. I, I'm just overwhelmed by it. I, I'm curious about it. I want to understand it and then I'm consumed by it and I don't like that. I hate it. I hate the hate. And most of the time, I try to focus that on people that I'm at least close with and have a better understanding of because I don't know strangers. And sometimes, even if I'm trying to be as neutral as possible, they still take it the wrong way because they don't know me. And, you know, and I don't know them just the same. And maybe I said one word that I shouldn't have that makes it sound a certain way to them. And that wasn't even my intention. But they don't know me. And it's just a waste of time. Because I would still spend a lot of time investing into you know, some sort of logical response, logical position. It's not just, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm, I, I want to explain where I'm coming from. And you, you just can't do that with a lot of people. They just want to be right or they just want to argue. <laughs> sometimes people are more receptive and sometimes it's just like they're lost in negative land and cannot see a way out. What? I'm getting at is that I don't need more and more stress and negativity in my life. Stress from empathy, stress from watching people just rip each other apart with words, stress from not being able to help enough people be happier, and stress from my normal everyday life in addition to those. I've already talked plenty about my anger and lack of self-control with that sometimes, and I don't need it tested several more times a day just because someone I don't know in another state said something to someone else I don't know in another state. I need to keep my own sanity so that I have a clearer view and can more easily help others and hopefully spread more positivity. 
I mentioned in another post of mine recently that I want my time and dedication to helping other people to be applied in a way that can actually grow and spread rather than only being helpful to a random person in a random situation, which is not a bad thing. Every little bit helps, of course. While that is still good, I'd prefer to do more if I can and not the bare minimum. In that post, I used the comparison of giving someone money on the side of the road. Personally, I don't give money out to people on the side of the road. I'll give some food, water, clothes, but I don't give money. If I'm going to give money, it's going to be towards something that I know can grow and help many people. That's the same as how I see my time and health, mental health and positivity towards people. I want to help people, but I can't do it very well if I'm stressed out, emotionally exhausted, pissed off, and spending too much time scrolling through a fucking screen that's full of endless garbage. If you haven't watched the documentary, The Social Dilemma, just do it, please. Watch it. Look up Tristan Harris. See what he's got going on. Read his background. I'm not familiar with what you can do on Android devices, but if you have an iPhone, go to your settings and turn on your screen time monitor and check in to see how much time you're spending on certain things. You might surprise yourself. Wake up your mind. What if all of this crashed tomorrow? People can't even deal with three-day Facebook bans and feel like they have to create new profiles to satisfy the hunger. But there's no way that that would be called addiction, right? Addiction isn't just a drug thing, it's compulsive consumption. I mean, I'm sure there are different levels and that we could get more detailed and picky about it, kind of like puppy love compared to true love, but you can't simply say that people aren't addicted to social media. Well, as a matter of fact, you totally could say that, but you'd have to emphasize that the addiction isn't to social media, it's an addiction to the feelings and emotions and dopamine hits that you experience while scrolling through social media. Maybe you're listening to this and thinking, well, hell, I don't even do much social media at all. This doesn't even apply to me. While you could be right in thinking that, you could still be a little wrong because it indirectly applies to you since so many people around you fall victim to social media addiction. Some of those people might make decisions for you or decisions that directly affect you. Not that you can do much about it. I'm just reminding you of it because it matters in one way or another. Which is an argument against myself of stepping back from social media. I could be a, a keyboard warrior, but, you know, in a good, the good guy, I guess you'd say. But I'm, that's, a, that's dedication. I'm dedicating all my time and energy to that. And it bleeds through other things. And I don't want it to. So, uh, yeah, that's where I stand there. I could keep going on and on, but I think I've made my point. And at face value, you might see my stepping back from social media as selfish because I'm doing it for my sanity and my benefit, but you're just not seeing the bigger picture. For me to help others, I have to first help myself. Just like when the flight attendant goes over the oxygen mask rules and such being used in an emergency situation, you put your mask on first before assisting others because you can't help anyone if you're passed out. You know, it's funny how this worked out. But I looked up plane safety rules while I was writing this just to make sure I was recalling the oxygen mask instruction correctly. And I found a recovery training site that had a similar connection to addiction and oxygen masks. It's probably been around for a long time. It just randomly popped into my head. So this is a first time thinking of it that way. I'd like to read some of that that I found because it really hits home on this. 
If someone we love has an addiction that is creating problems, it's natural to want to be a part of the solution. As a result, we may find ourselves devoting abundant energy to the addiction in various ways, educating ourselves about addiction, trying to keep the peace with our loved one, worrying about the future, trying to influence our loved one to address the problem, etc. We may choose to do this willingly and lovingly, but in many cases, our choice may come at an expense to our own physical and mental health. When helping, whatever that means in our situation, seems to leave little time for anything else, the result is quite often burnout. Some feelings that may accompany giving too much are exhaustion, frustration, anger, along with possibly feeling ineffective, helpless, or hopeless. Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, REBT teaches that we are each responsible for our own happiness. When we find ourselves in a situation where our happiness is suffering, the oxygen mask rule analogy is helpful. And that's that. That is very helpful. So after reading that, I guess that's where I am right now with social media and negativity I see with people. I'm reaching burnout and I want to focus on my own well-being so that I may be in better shape to assist others. It's like trying to help others recharge their batteries while my own gets more and more depleted. I just need some time to recharge my battery and build up my strength again, you know? All right, now I'm done with this. I'm planning to get my studio moved around a little bit in order to more safely have guests for future podcasts because that's what I'm really excited to do and share with you guys. I always say to reach out if you want to be on someday, and I get a few offers here and there, but I also want to mention that you could always suggest someone that might be a good fit for a guest. Suggest a guest. Suggest a guest. All right, I'm done. Thanks for listening. Please, I don't know, please consider taking a few steps back. You know, if you get on every single day, why not put one day in between? Try to give it 24 hours. If you feel like you're missing out on some sort of news or information, then I don't know. I'm sure you could figure out a way to get news alerts or tell your friends to keep an eye out for you. If anything crazy comes up, send it my way. Just give it a shot. Just like anything else. Uh, you know, too much candy is bad. Even though it's really good, it's pretty bad. If you stop cold turkey, cold candy, I think you eventually feel better, right? Have you done that? Cut stuff out of your diet? and you feel like crap for a couple of days, whether it's sugar or just you want something specific as a treat and you don't have it anymore, but eventually you feel better, that might be what happens with social media if you trim some of that fat. So give it a shot. I dare you. Cool. Bye-bye. Rusty's Escape Pod. Rusty's escape pod.